You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked on Mavericks. My name is uh, Mike Marshall. You can follow me at Machine Sports on Twitter. My co-host Jacob Kemp is on the other end of this phone line, and you can follow him at Not Jack Kemp on Twitter if you're so inclined. How are you doing this morning, pal? Fantastic. Fantastic. How is San Diego? It's uh, it's like not real life. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I want all my vacations to be like. It's just out of control. The best compliment I can give to a vacation is I forgot who I was for a little bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, the Mavericks had a nice like 119-hour uh, break uh, in between Wednesday night and uh, and last night, but they finally got back at it last night. So we'll kick around some of that uh, some of the data and the ideas from the uh, the Knicks game that uh, that came out of that. It was really depressing. Uh, if you want a uh, precursor. But um, we would encourage you to check out all of the products pushed out on the uh, Locked On Podcast Network. There's a whole other world out there. There's a, a Cowboys podcast. There's a Fantasy Basketball podcast. There's um, your favorite uh, basketball team if it's not the Mavericks. If you're just listening to this, um, you know, and out of hatred or out of, uh, out of protest, that's fine, too. I'm sure your favorite team is on here. But uh, thank you for listening to Locked On Mavericks. We're here for you every day. Uh, little snippets, little 15, 20 minutes, sometimes it gets 25 minutes, little, uh, little snips for you to listen on your lunch break or on the way home or uh, whatever it is you do with your life. So here we are. You can submit questions to at LockedOnMavs or uh, LockedOnMavs at Gmail. And uh, I guess let's jump right into it. Mavericks at Madison Square Garden last night against the New York Knicks, 77-93. The Mavs are now 2-7, and seven, and we are living in a world, Jake, where Dorian Finney-Smith is catching regular starts for your Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, he he, I like him defensively. He does give you something with the switch. I mean, I think he's probably got a little bit of um, Al Farouk Aminu future in him uh, as like a high side. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that's not like the super high praise because Al Farouk Aminu was a much more highly touted player at one point. Oh yeah, um, and then you know floundered in New Orleans for a while and got it together here and has been pretty good for Portland since mm-hmm. signing that big deal. But you know, I just their rotations and by rotations I mean lineup rotations are very just weird because they just you, you, if you'd have told me at the start of the year that nine games in is it nine now? Nine, yeah, yeah. That they would be two and seven without Dirk for most of those games, without D Will for most of those games. I guess you could throw Harris in there just for a matter of depth. I mean, I would not have been surprised at all. So, yeah. anybody who's like, man, this sucks, like, I'm just noticing the Mavericks aren't very good. I mean, they were probably going to be a bubble playoff team, and then you take two of their starting lineup. Now, you could make the case that Brea should be starting over D Will, mm-hmm. but you would still very much need those minutes from D-Will off the bench. So, I don't know. I mean, none of this is really that surprising to me. They're playing freaking, like you said, Finney Smith is starting. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that I wasn't sure was going to make the team. Make the team, yeah. <laughs> and now he's getting, now he's playing 18 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, 
I guess he if, had 21 last night. Then you're you're having to go to Seth Curry for 31. Yep. You know, it's just none of this is really that surprising. It doesn't make it any less depressing, but right. it's not surprising. Yeah, if you told me that uh, Dirk would be would miss what 90% of the games thus far, Darren was going to have be have Darren problems, uh, and Wes Matthews was going to play like a uh, fire ant mound that someone set night napalm to in your front yard, then yeah. I'd probably I wouldn't think they win one game, but I feel like I kind of like recalibrated my expectations uh, around how good Harrison Barnes has been playing, but that doesn't necessarily translate to team victory. You know what I mean? Like I have I have something to latch onto and look forward to every game, which is Harrison Barnes, but I keep confusing that for they should beat a team like the Knicks, which I still think they should have been very competitive against the Knicks last night. Just looking at some of their, um, you know, peripheral numbers and how awful their defense is. Um, worst in the league. They have the worst defense in basketball. And the Mavs scored 77 points against them and just got nuked in the third quarter. All the bad words happened. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're currently on the season a negative 1.8 in the third quarter. It's like 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the NBA, so I mean, there was 31-12 last night. Melo just went off, bullied, yep. bullied Matthews in the post once, and yeah. then just absolutely spin cycled Justin Anderson um, for a little up and under a couple plays after that. I mean, I, I, he's going to go down to me as in it's really odd because he plays in New York, mm-hmm. but he's going to go down as one of the most underrated scorers of all time. I think. I, I think he's. I don't know. He's just been in some weird situations, and maybe his attitude at the start of his career wasn't great, but I still think that guy is one of the three best scorers in the game, and I think he has been the entire time he's been in the league. Yeah. Like, outside of Curry and LeBron, there are not many guys that I would take to get me a bucket at the end of a game because he can do it in so many different ways. And Now, does it call into question how dumb it was for them to sign Noah? Because <laughs> it's clear that Carmelo is best at the four. Yep. With but that's a running around. yeah, that's a whole other topic. I mean, for now, Matthews couldn't hold him, and Anderson couldn't hold him, and those are the two guys you're leaning on defensively. And he just smoked you in the third quarter, and the game was pretty much over at that point. Yeah, did Barnes get into foul trouble? Let me see here. Uh, no, man, he had one one personal foul in the first half, and he was doing a decent job on Mello. Yeah, like, he was like, doing a pretty good job, and he was scoring. He pissed him off. Like, in that first half, Barnes pissed Mello off. Like, Mello started throwing arms and stuff uh, in the post. And uh, and then the third quarter, he came out super pissed, and they th- tried to throw Wes at him. And I just kind of felt sorry for Wes at that moment because that's not the matchup for him. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Justin Anderson. But I guess back to Mello for, like, one minute. I Somehow I can admit that he's, like, one of the top ten most talented players that's played probably the last 20 years but also not enjoy his game at all. I don't, I don't enjoy watching him play basketball. And I don't know if it's because he's always looked kind of doughy. And I'm like, if you, if, if you really want to be a bully, why don't you bulk up a little bit? Um, yeah. And if you really want to get down in there and get dirty with people, why don't you like match your physical attribute to your, your obvious skill set, which is I don't know how many play, people on earth can do what he does uh, with a basketball. But he's just always annoyed me. I have no idea why. It's probably from those early days in Denver when they knocked out the Mavs. Um, but I just can't appreciate watching him play because it, it almost looks like it, 
it looks like what I try to do <laughs> in like a rec league basketball game where I'm not quite physically talented enough to pull off most of the things I try to do. The question with Melo and his offensive game to me has always been, does he play that way because he has to because of the team he's on has never really had that much. Right. Even those Nuggets teams that were pretty good didn't have a whole lot of scoring you know, mm-hmm. punch around him. Does he play that way because he has to or does he play that way because he can't play any other way? Because I think I he still- kind of wants it. Yeah, he probably does kind of want it, but I still would have liked to see what it was like if he ended up on a team with Chris Paul. Yeah, or gone the, to Chicago. You know, the rumors, yeah. So, I don't know. That that would have been, to me, a much more right, uh, a more interesting way to judge his career. But the Mavericks have actually been a, you know, their top half of the league defensively this year. Mm-hmm. But in the third quarter, they just had zero answer for him, and the game was pretty much over at that point. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, they have no playmaking at all. It's Berea and... I don't know, I guess Seth Curry, but Seth Curry, he's shown you flashes. And for a guy that you signed for pennies at the end of free agency that, you know, you probably wouldn't even be playing this much of D-Will, I'm not mad at the way Curry's played. He hasn't been like the, you know, firecracker yet that I would have hoped for, but he's playing like his 30th NBA game. I still yeah. think he, I still think that guy can be a pretty good rotation player for you down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're aiming your ire at Seth Curry at this point, then... <laughs> I don't know. I think that's pretty misplaced. And I think the most interesting thing that we have to talk about right now is, is Barnes going to be able to play this well and produce like this with Dirk in the lineup? Because I mm-hmm. remain unconvinced of that. Yeah, I don't think he will. I mean, I don't think he's going to be garbage necessarily, but at all the areas that he's operating in right now, there's going to be a seven-foot dude uh, yeah. wandering around out there. In, And, I mean – it's so weird to think that Harrison Barnes has legit been like a top 25 player through nine games of this season, but it's such a um, such a tight classification that he's working under because he's actually getting to play the four, which he won't get to uh, for extended minutes. He's on a team that has zero other scoring punch around him, so he has the green light nonstop. And you're, you can't take the statistics and how good he's been out of the context but he's still been phenomenal. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know quite how to feel about it. Um, last night he started 0 for 3, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Here we go. And then, uh, and then he started cooking Porzingis. Like, he would get him in foot race situations. Uh, that's where the dunk came. And, dude, his – I don't know where this confidence came from. Like, he is sizing people up, either yeah. blowing, blowing by them or saying, I'm going to get my shot off, my jumper off quick enough. And it's just so simple. It's just a little flick. And, dude, he's just net. It's not even like, um, you know, rattle around shots or almost make them shots. Like, he knows that's going in, and he starts jogging to the other end of the court. Yeah, no, I uh, he, he, the pull-up game. I mean, I'm, I've been really – there's just – you can't say enough about how impressed you are with uh, the way that he's found offense without being a traditional wing player. Mm-hmm. And I – man, I – I'm super excited that he's here. A lot of people have already asked me, well, hey, do you feel you regret your Parsons opinion now? The one thing I would say to that is I think people are forgetting. This is a great nine-game stretch for Harrison Barnes. But I was told last year to not put too much stock into uh, Chandler Parsons' February. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was done with Dirk in the lineup. Now, a lot of his best work was done with Dirk in the lineup, but on the bench, whenever he would play the four. Mm -hmm. But I don't think, and this is partially an indictment of Parsons, the player. 
I don't think Parsons was ever ever healthy long enough during a stretch when Dirk is out was out to show us that he was capable of this because I absolutely think he would have been. He was yep. just he never had time where Dirk was not playing and he was healthy to put up you know fairly gaudy numbers. So to me, it doesn't make me any less excited for Barnes. But I'm pretty sure that if there would have been like a two-month stretch where Dirk was out and Parsons was healthy and Parsons played the four, he would have put up the exact same numbers because he nearly did. Yeah. I mean, his February from last year, he was averaging close to what Barnes is now. Mm-hmm. He, was t- he was north of 20, wasn't he? He was like 22, Yeah, I think, in February and distributing the ball pretty decently. I mean, it's just... it's. But it's you have true. to qualify it by saying the reason he was never able to do that is because he was hurt. Exactly. Exactly. So if you put in um, a replica of that that isn't injured and or isn't often injured, and then, dude, it's just timing is literally everything because they weren't ready to commit to large minutes of Parsons at the four back then. They weren't. It wasn't an option for them. Uh, they could do it for little slivers like they did in February and whenever they started playing Dirk at the five uh, after Zaza was just a you know run-down, beat-up El Camino out there in the, on the court. But – I'm fine being wrong on Harrison Barnes for my preseason opinion because I don't know how you could have had any other opinion of him. When people jump, when people come out of the blue, allow them to come out of the blue. Like, it's yeah. totally fine to be dead wrong on what you thought Harrison Barnes could be. And you can throw in a bunch of the circumstance of, you know, playing the four, Dirk's not on the court, no one else can score. But – um, I'm totally fine with people going, uh, what about Barnes now? Which there are no people like that, honestly. <laughs> like, no one was, like, on the Barnes hype train. Well, I mean, some people would tell you, like, just because of North Carolina, and oh, he just never really had a chance to shine. I mean, I guess. But if you go from January 18th to March 18th last year, 27 mm-hmm. games, Parsons is playing 34.4 minutes a night, 19-6, 3.5, while shooting 48% from three. Damn. I mean, that is second, third team, all NBA stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying, and and that was with Dirk in the lineup. Now, Mm -hmm. again, a lot of it was whenever he was on the floor by without Dirk, but that's Barnes is getting that, you know, full on. Like he's, (laughs) he's getting full on 35 minutes a night without Dirk. So I don't know. I feel like I'm in this perpetual state of trying to say it's just, it's just like my opinion that I think Jay Ajayi could be doing not that. You know, I still think he'd be doing 80% of Ezekiel Elliott, but I'll never get a chance to prove it. Right. Um, so I'm not backtracking as much as I'm just saying. I think we're forgetting that for it's it, that was 30 games from Parsons. This has been yeah. nine from Barnes. So if right. if at the midway point we've mixed in another 20 games of Dirk mm-hmm. and you've got these nine and he's still cooking at 20 points a game, then – that will be very impressive, but I think it's a little too early to be like, "Hey, a guy on a two and seven team is scoring twenty a night, and we should just all be, you know, over the moon about it." Though, again, I would qualify that by saying his confidence is by far the most impressive thing that I've seen from him. Yeah, and what I I, I caught some blowback last night on uh, on Twitter when I was like, "Barnes has been like a top twenty or top twenty five player in the league," and uh, some dude was like, "Oh, you know, uh, uh." really great player on a two and six team and I said well would you rather him suck like what what is your point someone well, I wouldn't rather him suck but I think their point is just that it's it is kind of harder to judge 
like you said the other night, someone's going to score. So mm. the, the the way that you you can't just look at a box score right. and and judge what Harrison Barnes has done because yep. if you did just look at a box score, you might assume, hey, there are guys who score 20 points on 2 and 6 teams or 2 and mm. 7 teams or teams that, you know, what would that balance out to over a full season? 25 or 30 wins. Yep. That does happen. But if you watch him play, he's been freaking great defensively. Yep. Um, as you mentioned last night, he was all over uh, Mello early in the game, yep. and he and he's he's getting his own offense. So yeah, those two he's, things he's combined hunting for free throws too, man. Like that's yeah. clearly like putting yourself in harm's way to get points on the board. Yeah, like that's so, what that's that's the other thing is um, if you don't watch the game, and you look at the box score, you can assume that it's twenty jump shots. You know, a soft twenty. No, man, he is earning every point, and he's being super physical. Like, last night, he straight-up bodied Porzingis, like, just running at the basket and got to the foul line a couple times. Yeah. And it's it's awesome. Like, you have to watch it. You can't just check the box scores of what Harrison Barnes is doing or check synergy or whatever. Um, I guess if you want to lay some blame at the feet of a couple folks, we've talked about Wes Matthews um, ad nauseum at this point. Um, but I just want to re-edit, reiterate, I don't think I could be more disappointed in what, Math- in what Wes Matthews has done through nine games of this season um, in terms of what it means for the future, in terms of him adjusting to the, the basketball that's being played, and just him telegraphing every move, um, not being able to create separation on his shot, and... I don't want to be too down on the guy and, you know, say he sucks or something like that, but I just could not be more disappointed with what I've seen through nine games. <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing else. There's I don't know what else you can say about it. He doesn't. Yep. He hasn't got to the rim much this year uh, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, his three ball is somehow, you know, worse than it was last year by, like, a long, long, long shot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe you could sort of – I always try to not so much look for excuses, but look for explanations. And right. he's used to playing most of his minutes with D-Will. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's playing all of his minutes pretty much with Berea. So there may be something, too, that he's getting the ball in a different spot than he's used to. Yeah. Um, but he's taken more shots uh, up from 11.6 to 12.8, um, yet hitting at an overall sub sub-30 field goal percentage. Uh, when you count all, and if it's, you're just looking at two point, dude, two point field goals at 35 percent, that will get you out of that will get you run out of the league. Yeah, you'll get you'll get assigned to the Texas Legends for doing that. So um, I mean, if you just break it down, it's really like disgusting too. If you break down his percentage uh, by distance, oh I mean, God. three to ten feet, he's hitting at 25 percent. Good God, man! Wow. Um. So one of our one of our Twitter friends uh, asked me to do the West Matthews ISO numbers um, for friend of the show Benjamin Osiecki. Sorry if I mispronounced your name there, Benjamin. But here you go. Um, there honestly haven't been. He was assuming there had been a lot of West Matthews isolation possessions. There there hasn't been, and I'll get to that in a second. But let's start at the top. West Matthews in transition this year, fourteen possessions in transition. He scored ten points. That's well below average. That's in the twelfth percentile. Um, again. Pretty standard on most of these classifications. 1.1 would be considered as good uh, in points per possession, and we'll go through some of this. But overall, half court, 0.759 points per possession and 112 possessions 
uh, for Wes Matthews. That is in the uh, 21st percentile, which qualifies as below average. Um, let's go down to spot-up shots. He's actually been average, 40 points or 34 points in 40 possessions, uh, 0.85 points per possession. Off screens has been poor, post-up poor uh, to average. And then transition, I mentioned that. Where's isolation? Here it is. Isolation, he honestly hasn't had that many isolation possessions. They, uh, they've only tallied uh, seven for him, uh, six points out of those, which would be, I think, perfectly average. But I think what we're looking for uh, and what Benjamin is talking about is pull-up jump shots because that's what I think he's seeing. Um, I don't know how exactly what their verbiage is and how they classify isolation versus uh, more of a, uh, a pull-up jumper or something like that, but this is what he's talking about because there's been 75 possessions on uh, pull-up jump shots for Wes Matthews, and he scored 57 points. You can do a little bit of that math in your head, it's a point seven six point per possession. That's uh, going to be like a sub thirty percentile. Yep, that is twenty sixth yeah. percentile, and that's what you're seeing. That's for what's a, driving for, you for insane. A two, for a two guard, that is simply not acceptable. Yeah, can't win with them. Can't do it. Uh, and then sh- all jump shots off the dribble. There's been thirty such possessions. Twenty one points. Point seven. That's going to get you the twenty eighth percentile again remember percentiles the higher the better if you're in the 99th percentile you're that rare bird um one first percentile you're just like everyone else or awful so there you go benjamin uh if you wanted to good job benjamin of bringing the show on down <laughs> with, west, with west matthews numbers uh and a couple other things before we get out of here west matthews deserves a ton of the blame thus far if you want to look at somebody and why they're not being at least competitive with teams that are hovering around 500. And then the lack of step forward of Justin Anderson and Dwight Powell is driving me insane. And maybe it's just because they're being asked to fulfill bigger bigger roles and not come off the bench. Um, But Justin Anderson going 0 for 11 in a game should never happen. Um, He looks like he has... Some games he looks like Rick has been on him for a week and he knows that I'm either going to shoot this three or I'm going to dribble so hard at the basket and jump as high as I can and attack, and that's all I'm doing. And then games like last night where he gets himself in this in-between world of his brain short-circuiting and taking weird off-balance, falling left or right or forward or backward shots, which is not his strength. And then Dwight Powell is still getting traveling calls out of three-point or uh, out of triple threat which is just like junior high crap. Um, if you want to talk on them, go ahead, but <laughs> I don't, I don't got to dogpile them that much. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm less concerned. Uh, if I were to rank it, I would say Anderson I'm the least concerned about because my expectations for him are at the most to be a uh, starter that you don't lean on heavily and a guy who's a defensive stopper. And it's only his second year, um, and you haven't paid him. So yeah. I'm not going to get – I don't want to get too freaked out about him Pal, um, I think he's probably, like you said, being leaned on a little bit heavy. They did pay him. I don't hate that deal near as much as everyone else does. Um, and if you it's look at just his... tradable number, too. Nine, yeah. Nine, nine fits in a lot of ways. Yeah. And if you look at just his, you know, he... You would definitely have to watch the games to be disappointed, I think, in Dwight Powell because his, his raw numbers are, for the most part, in line with or up from last year. Mm-hmm. So... I think also part of the thing that hurts him is his game is just never really going to look all that smooth. Yeah. He does have a weird, you know what? I think you could probably say that about Anderson too. He's got a, he just got a little bit of a weird, 
A little bit of a weird game, but right now he's got five dunks in eight games. If he stays on pace for that, he'll destroy what he had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, his overall field goal percentage is up a little bit. His usage is up. Um, actually, his usage is down, but so is his turnover percentage. And I don't know. I think more than anything, it's just that I don't really know that they know what to do with him. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the times, I think what I get most frustrated with with both of them is whenever flow offense breaks down and they have to be the outlet like uh, panic pass to and then they're standing over there by themselves um, and they don't know what to do in flow offense whenever they're isolated. And it's kind of like what happened to Zaza a lot last year. And on a really good offensive team, that doesn't happen because they never touch the ball. Yeah. But they're having to be the bailout pass of just get me out of this trap I dribbled myself into. Oh, there's D- Justin Anderson standing over there. Let's throw it to him. But um, looking forward, uh, the Mavs' schedule going forward is not going to be kind to them. They have two games against teams under 500 uh, between now and December 5th. And that's the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and the Orlando Magic. And I think the Magic could do a number on them. <laughs> Uh, the Magic uh, gave the Thunder fits the other night and beat them on a Ibaka walk-off, basically. Um, so you could realistically be entering December with uh, five wins or fewer if you want to start tallying things up. Yeah, so. and I, I, it's going to get into a weird – we could probably do this for tomorrow, but it's they're going to get into a weird zone where they did three years ago where playing Dirk – is yep. probably not actually going to be beneficial for them, mm. but I also don't want him to retire hurt. Like I want to see, you know, yeah. I think I think even if they are pretty terrible this year and they end up with like a top five pick, but they still have uh, Barnes and Dirk has a year, you know, can rest, and then they're still going to have cap room. Yeah, um, and we can talk more about the West Matthews future mm-hmm. tomorrow, but I still think he would come back for another year. Yeah, I think so. I mean. But he does them really no good right now. Yeah, no, exactly. Other than just the idea of, you know, get your fans getting to see him play and it's still a thing of beauty. Right. But they need to do everything they can to make sure they are in the top five because they either need to do one of two things. They either need to trade a top five pick and maybe even another first-round pick for, like, Boogie Cousins or Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, obviously, that your return on those two guys is going to be pretty far apart. But yeah. we've talked about Noel, mm-hmm. Stein. Those are guys that I would give you a top five pick for right now. Because yeah. um, if I'm not doing that, I'm holding on to it, and I'm and I'm drafting a point guard. The only reason it might be more attractive to trade it is because they could be good quicker, and yeah. they could actually still be good with Dirk. Yeah, like right I, now, I if you had like saying. a guy like Noel instead of Bogut, I think that you could really get away with Dirk playing with Barnes way more, mm-hmm. and I think they could still be a borderline playoff team. Um, and then they would also have a guy who's 23. Um, granted, he'll be due for a contract soon, but it's not like it'll be a you know, uh, it'll be a, a second contract. So that's kind of the the spot they're in, you know, philosophically, as David Moore would say, on, on what they want to do with this pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can dive into some more of that tomorrow. We'll uh, we'll touch on the Celtics game, which is tomorrow night. Um, Mavs drive down to uh, to Boston to play uh, play the Celtics, who lost to the uh, the Pelicans last night. Uh, because Al Horford's been out for a minute, but we'll uh, we'll check that out tomorrow, and we'll uh, look at some future type stuff with West Matthews and potential trades and things like that. So check us out tomorrow, Jacob. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you guys listening. I'll see you, Mike.